Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Psalm 119, beginning to read at the first verse. Blessed are they whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are they who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do nothing wrong. They walk in his ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. For our second reading, we turn on to John's first letter to the young Christian church. It's 1 John chapter 2, and you'll find this on page 1225 of the church Bibles, 1225. John's first letter, chapter 2, beginning to read at verse 1. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Let's pray as we stand. Father God, we thank you for showing us the way of salvation through faith in your son, Jesus Christ. And we pray that you would be teaching us by that word 
both how to live for you and how to delight in you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as you sit down, do please pick up your Bibles and turn back to Psalm 119. And as you do that, let me introduce you to Bill. Bill used to be a youth leader on a weekend camp I went on. We used to go every November to Coldingham, which is just right on the North Sea in Scotland. I tell you, November, the North Sea in November is quite cold. And so going, in, going for a swim in November wasn't, wasn't the most pleasant thing to do. One of the things I remember about Bill, though, was he once had a really vivid dream. And he, he, in this dream, he was doing various things, but he woke up, um, continuing his dream, and had his hands round the throat of one of the other leaders as he was strangling them still in the dream. Um, nobody wanted to share a room with uh, Bill after that, I have to tell you. But Bill was also the person who introduced me to Psalm 119, I think, for the first time. And the way he did that was to write a verse in the back of my Bible, and the verse he wrote was verse 9 that we have in Psalm 119. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. And it was a great verse to be told. And Psalm 119 has got loads of great verses like that. You know, I think of Psalm 100, verse 105. You know, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I guess for many of us, is we've got uh, favourite verses that we know from uh, Psalm 119. Uh, but apart from a few kind of golden verses, if you like, I didn't really know very much about Psalm 119. I, I knew a few things, but I guess uh, you might be the same. You maybe know it's the, the longest uh, chapter in the Bible. If you turn over the pages, you see it just keeps on going on and on. Um, I knew it was a, about the Bible, so it's a psalm about the Bible. And I knew it was an acrostic poem. That is, there's uh, 22 sections in the psalm. Each section has eight lines. And each line of, that, of those sections will start with the same letter. And then in the subsequent section, they'll start with the, the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Now you see it in the, the translations we have in the pew, in the Aleph, and then Beit, and then Gimel. Yeah, while I knew those things, I didn't really know very much about Psalm 119. How did it work? How did it hold together? What was its a big message? And so I thought it would be a good idea when Paul suggested putting a series together to study Psalm 119 together and to look and to understand it some more. And so I hope over these coming weeks that we will learn how to understand Psalm 119 uh, but more importantly, I hope that we'll be moved to sing Psalm 119, uh, to uh, sing it as the song of our hearts, the desires which we have uh, put into words. And as we look at these first 16 verses, we will uh, come to see the foundations of understanding the whole psalm, how it, uh, the, the big signposts, if you like, and the foundations for understanding uh, the rest of the verses. And the big thing for today, the big thing to see is the signpost which the psalm begins with in verse 1 or 2, which really say, come this way for blessing. Come this way for significance, for joy and happiness in life. And you see in verses 1 and 2, blessed is the big word. Blessed are they whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are they who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. And here is the way of blessing. Come this way for blessing. 
says the writer. And I think as we read through verses one to four, the surprising thing for us is the way the blessing comes. I wonder if I was to ask you, how is a Christian blessed? I wonder how you would answer. How does blessing come for a Christian? Now, one of our students recently has been going through some really tough times, both on their course and in their family life. And I was really encouraged when he could write this. He wrote, he was thankful for being adopted as God, by God as his child and being loved so much by him that he sent Jesus to die in my place on the cross. He, his love is incredible. He is love. It was a great, great to read in the midst of great difficulties, somebody could write that. That the right of the blessing of being secure in God, of having an identity in God because of Jesus' action on the cross for us. And it's a great blessing, isn't it? And that's often how we think of blessing. We have a status and an identity before God. And yet verses one to four alert us to a misunderstanding that we could make. And the misunderstanding is this. The blessed man or woman isn't someone who relaxes in a status, but who walks in a way. You see, we do have a wonderful and a glorious status before God, but we're not meant to then just sit back in the jacuzzi of blessing, if you like. That would be to miss the point. You see, we are to live out our status in a way. Look at how verses one and four describe it. Now in verse one, there is a way and a walk. In verse two, there's a keeping and a seeking. In verse three, there is a doing and a walking again. Here is a way of life that we are to live out. If you like, we're on a journey with God. As Christopher Ash says, the governing metaphor for, of the life of faith in this psalm is to walk the way of the Lord. And the walk, that walk of blessing comes as we live out the Bible. As we read through the psalm, if you read through the psalm, you'll see that there's eight words, eight word words, if you like, repeated again and again. We will read of law, of statutes, of precepts, of decrees, of commands, of judgments, of words, of promise. Roughly speaking, in each of the eight sections, those eight words come once, 22 times each throughout the whole of the psalm. You see, the psalm is a psalm about the Bible, and it's saying as we live out the Bible, then that is the way of blessing. Walk this way for blessing. Live out the Bible for blessing. That's the signpost over the whole psalm. I wonder, how is your relationship with God? Do you delight in him? Are you finding delight in him? Now, as I ask that question, can I ask you, maybe if you're not, is it because you are not living out the Bible? You stop living this walk. I remember speaking to a lady in a church I was in once and we were talking about how to live the Christian life on how to do things in church together and what that should look like. And I was saying we need to try and live out the Bible. That's what we need to try and work out from the Bible, how we should be doing church and how we should be living life. And she looked at me just with a, a sad look on her face and said, that is just so unrealistic. Impossible dream. 
You can't live out the Bible. It is just too hard and complicated and difficult. There's no point trying. If you're giving up, missing out on this life of blessing that the writer talks about here. And it's not as if the Bible isn't difficult to live out, but to give up would be to miss out on living the way that God says is the way of blessing. And and the writer here himself felt the difficulty. Look how he goes on in verse five. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. You see, he's got this desire to be living out the Bible. Yet he knows at times he fails and doesn't do that. And yet his heart desire is to do that. And here is his prayer. Now from this point on in the psalm, from verse five, right the way through the rest of the psalm, it is a prayer as he cries out to God. And what he is crying in verses five to nine is help. And as he cries help, we see that desire he has He knows he doesn't always follow God fully and yet he wants God to be and God's word to be the thing which shapes him in everything that he does. He wants to walk the Bible and so he cries out to God for help. He knows verse six, then I would not be put to shame when I consider your commands. At verse seven, he desires to praise God with an upright heart as he goes on in the Bible walk, as he learns God's righteous laws. Verse 8, he desires to obey God's commands and decrees. He doesn't want to be exposed as a fraud, professing the name of God, but with a heart far from him. And so he needs to be one who learns to praise God with that heart of integrity, not just praising God with lips, but with an upright heart, a heart shaped and fashioned by God. It's the same desire he has here as one of our songs that we sing expresses. You know this one, O great God of highest heaven, occupy my lowly heart, own it all and reign supreme, conquer every rebel power. You see, that's the the sentiment that the writer wants us to have and what he has a desire to follow God and to move forward. And as we do that, to be living out the Bible more and more, here's his passionate call to learn the Bible and to live it out in everyday life. The music of the psalm, if you like, that we are to grasp if we're going to sing the psalm. Now you could ask, how on earth do we do that? How are we going to live this walk? That's the question the the psalmist asks in verse nine. He says, how can a young man keep his way pure? How can a young man keep his way pure? That was the verse that Bill wrote in my Bible and as a a young man, I thought that was entirely appropriate for me. Uh, Here's he picking out a verse which is just for young men. And it would be easy to think then that this psalm is just for young men and somehow it doesn't really apply to us if we're not young men. But I think the writer here uses young man because he is a young man. As he is writing it, he was a young man. And so in effect, he is saying, how can I keep my way pure? And so each of us here can say, how can I keep my way pure? Or if you want to insert your state of life into the blank, you can do. How can an elderly lady keep her way pure? I guess many of us all just want to keep young in there though and we like to think of ourselves as young so if you want to just say young that's fine how can I keep my way pure 
The answer in verse 9? By living according to your word. Now here's the walk again. Living it out. Then living according to God's word. Living the Bible out. With this in mind, verse 10, he says, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. He seeks with his whole heart, and that means not straying from the Lord's commands. So verse 11, he says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Do you see what's going on here? And here's a young man who is seeking to learn God's word, seeking after God. And see where he seeks from and where he hides that word. Did you, did you notice it? It's in his heart. He seeks with all his heart. And he hides the word in his heart. The heart being the, the center of his being, the, the place which defines him. And so he seeks from that center of his being. And he seeks to hide that word in the center of his being. And so that as he does that, everything that he does and thinks and longs for, he wants to be shaped by that word. And can you see, it's not learning so that he might do well in the pub quiz. He is learning so that he might live it out. That he might live that life of blessing. I wonder how your Bible reading is. Now you, might, you might not read the Bible, but I guess for most of us, we do try to have our quiet times to read the Bible. But one of the dangers, I think, for us, one of the misunderstandings we can make is that we think of reading the Bible as a task to be done. And that when we do the task, somehow we will earn brownie points with God. You see, it's a task where the content of what we read is not really as important as doing the activity. I was speaking to someone this week who said they realized in their own quiet times that they would read the Bible, then get ready for work, and by the time they got into the car to drive to work, they'd forgotten even what they had read. Couldn't remember anything of it. It's not great, is it? And yet I guess many of us can relate to that kind of experience. You see, we're not wanting just to learn the Bible, just to do a task. We want to be living the Bible, allowing the word to dwell deeply in our hearts. You see, this young man here in Psalm 119 wasn't wanting to read the Bible to gain brownie points. He wanted to learn it so he could live it. He wanted to have that Bible walk. He wanted his learning to change his view of the world. He wanted to have Bible-shaped lenses. He wanted his learning to change his business practice and his work ethics. He wanted his learning to shape his desires and his longings. He wanted learning which would shape what he was eager for, that he would be eager to do good and to love people. He wanted his learning to sustain him through difficult times as he came to know his God more. You see, if we're learning the lesson of verses 1 to 4, that the Bible walk is the blessed life, and we cry out like verses five to nine, then we will be those who long to spend time in the scriptures. We'll do that on our own, but we will come to the Sunday service longing to hear God speak to us, and so we can be taught and shaped by this word, so we can live this blessed life. 
a longing to have that word deep in our hearts. We will go to our small groups longing to think hard about the Bible and let it shape us and change us. But notice verse 412 that it's not just what we do in learning. You see what he says? Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. There's a wonderful balance here, I think. We need to be learning God's word and putting the effort into that. And yet we also need to be taught by the Lord. Teach me your decrees. We need, we need both those sides. Without the Lord teaching us, then it would be fruitless. So we pray, Lord, teach us. And then he does that through his word. And as our hearts learn, look what happens in verses 13 to 16. It, it, do you see there how then there's a movement from our hearts to our mouths? Our mouths start to speak. There's a, a bubbling up and it overflows into our lips. And this is not just in evangelism, but just in our everyday life, I think. The words of the Bible inform our walk. They come to mind. And so we recount the laws, verse 13. We rejoice in them, verse 14. We meditate on them, verse 15. I think that means kind of mulling them over and thinking about them and talking about them to ourselves. Now, obviously, that will spill over into every aspect of our life if that's what we're doing in private. You see, here's a psalm which is teaching us the way of blessing through walking the Bible walk, encouraging us to cry out to God that he would help us and instructing us to learn and be taught and rejoice in that word. It's a wonderful psalm. But as we move towards a close, can I say that if you're like me, you may find this quite difficult as well. On the one hand, I I really desire to be like this. This is what I want to do. I want to follow God and and do this. And yet on the other hand, I think, but how can it be a delight and a joy to be found in God's laws and decrees and statutes? One of our students expressed it well in house party this year when we were talking about God being king and the king who speaks words which are then to be obeyed. No, he said, he asked a really important question. He says, this just sounds so harsh. Now God's sitting in heaven and giving us rules and commands that we are then just to blindly obey. Is God not meant to be our father? It's a great question. And it's what we often think, isn't it? Laws are about someone sitting, standing at a distance and saying, do this. Coupled with the fact in the New Testament, we're told that God's law brings condemnation, not joy. You see, if we, unless we understand what the psalm is getting at here, we'll never be able to sing the psalm or understand the psalm. We'll always be confused by it. As I've said, the psalm repeatedly uses eight word words all the way through the psalm to speak of the Bible. And when you take those words together, what they are talking about, though, is more than just rules to follow. They're talking about the covenant that the Lord makes with people. They're covenant words. Words which, therefore, create and sustain relationship with God. What these words do is show us the nature of reality. 
They show us what we are like. They show us what God's like. And as they do that, they create the relationship with God and then they sustain it and they show us how it should progress. You see, God's not just a dictator in the sky dictating things that we need to do. He speaks rather to create relationship with us and to show us how best to live that relationship out in everyday life. Now think of the Old Testament, which is God's plan of salvation, his story of salvation as he spoke to Abraham and as he gave promises through the life of Israel, as he spoke to King David and as he showed people what it meant to live in relationship with him. Words which ultimately are all fulfilled in the Lord Jesus who, in whom all God's promises are yes. The Lord Jesus whom we follow. The Lord Jesus, whom we will remember as we come to communion in a moment. You see, we too have been included in God's great plan of salvation, in his covenant words. And do you remember when you were included? It was when you heard God's grace. When you heard the gospel, whether that was from parents or from a friend or a work colleague, as they showed you God's grace and as they spoke of God's grace in the words of the gospel using Bible words. And as that, those words started our relationships, those words continue to help us on in our life. See, those words of grace which come to us through the Bible continue to sustain our relationship with God. Do you remember the, the way Paul describes this grace in Titus chapter two? He says this, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people eager to do what is good. You see the two sides, he has saved us so that we might then be his people eager to do what is good, to live out the life of blessing which he has, which he reveals in the Bible. That's the Bible walk. I don't know about you, but I'm excited to think how God might lead me as I read the Bible, as I understand it, and as I grow in it, as I taste and see how good God is. Now I'll see how his rules preserve and promote life. I'll see that when I fail, God's grace is still the same and he beckons me back to for, for forgiveness. I'll see that when I sin, being filled with self-pity, fear and worry is a silly thing to do because God loves me. You see, here is the, here's the life which the psalm is beckoning us to live. The life of blessing by walking the Bible. Now, Richard Buse last week said that one of the problems he sees in churches around the country is a lack of confidence in the Bible. And you see, if we start to neglect the Bible, we are neglecting the way of blessing. We're neglecting following God's ways. Because following God's ways, hearing his words of grace and following in his footsteps is that way of blessing. A way in which we can delight and find blessing in him. 
I wonder if this term and this year is that going to be what defines you? Someone who is passionate to hear God speak and to follow him. I hope that's my desire and let me pray that that may be all of our desires now. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you that you speak to create relationship with us and that you then show us how to live in that relationship. Father, may we be people here who do live that life of blessing by following you and your word. May we live out the Bible, being passionate to understand you more and more so that we might both bring honor to you and live a life of blessing in this world. And Father, as we eat the bread and drink the wine in a moment, may we delight again to see what you have done to create that relationship with us in the Lord Jesus. And may we be encouraged and strengthened in our faith to keep going, living out this way that you've revealed to us. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.